Welcome to The Table, a place where stories are told, life is shared, and our hope is you'll leave full. We encourage you to sit back, pull up a chair, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of The Table. I am your co-host, Drew Phillips, and joining me around the table for part two of our conversation with the Buds uh, is a a new co-host for this this conversation, Jordan Traeger. Hey, what's up? And then Michael and Susan are back with us to continue our conversation um, and as they continue to share their story of God's work um, in their life. If you, if you missed episode one, I encourage you to go back, to, uh, listen to part one, um, get a little bit of the background of who they are, get to know their family a little bit. Um, and where we're at in the story right now, where we left off was they were sharing about how they had, had news that their daughter, Rebecca, uh, was, was going to be born with trisomium, trisomium 18. Um, and, and they described that a little bit and had talked about um, coming out of that, they were at a place before she was born of how the church was really coming alongside them. Michael, you shared how you had got up and shared in front of the church how this is going to be a, a joyful thing and you wanted God to get the glory. Um, and so, and that the church from that point really started to rally around you guys, painted your nursery for you when you needed it to be painted and all of these things. Um, so that's where we left off. So picking up from right there, um, let's start to talk about, tell us a little bit about Rebecca's uh, birth and that experience there um, in the hospital. Okay. Well, before before we get to the actual birth, I, I did want to share because she wasn't expected to make it to birth. Uh, they were watching my pregnancy very closely. And one of the special things that the the specialist had done for us was uh, offer um, as many ultrasounds mm. as we wanted so that we could get to know our daughter mm. uh, beyond what insurance would cover because insurance, of course, doesn't want to pay for an ultrasound every other week. Mm-hmm. Or every week. <laughs> or every week. And so that that was... That was one way that we were making it through the pregnancy. We were really getting, trying to get to know our daughter in utero. Because we thought that might be the only time we could see her. Hmm. Um, so her, uh, her birth date was scheduled to be uh, April 20th. And our church family and, and others in the community had... Our mop, my mops group. Mops group and lots of groups had, had planned a prayer vigil, and they had 70 or 75 people scheduled for the entire day Basically, in the lobby. one-hour slots. One-hour slots. They were going to have people in there wow. praying mm. at the hospital. And, and again, at this point, we were just, we just were praying for a, a, a minute, mm. a moment, yep. right? Not a day, not a week, not a year, a moment that she was alive, that we could hold her. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's all we were asking for. And, and, uh, her, her birth was scheduled for two weeks before my actual due date because my amniotic fluid was getting low mm. and uh, doctor thought it would give her the best chance of survival. Okay. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of survival after birth. So we started the, well, actually on the way to the hospital that morning, we had to be at the hospital at like six or six thirty in the morning to start um, the induction. And, as we got into the uh, into the elevator, two of our good friends stepped into the elevator at the same time. Mm. 
Mm. And uh, that that was that was just like a hand of God on on all of us saying, yeah. "I'm here with you." So we went through the first day of of birthing and no baby. And so then the second day started, um, and his mom was fit to be tied. And uh, and this was totally unexpected. Unexpected. And uh, we'll save you the, the gory details yeah. of it. But <laughs> but at 8.30 that night, um, the second night, a group of, of uh, ladies from one of Susan's prayer groups was there, and they had prayed with her, and they laughed. And, like, right after they laughed, Susan goes into labor, and, like, 20 minutes later, Rebecca's born. And... She's born alive, hmm. which wow. which is amazing, and um, but she in the room was full of nurses and specialists and whatever, and but she starts turning blue, and Susan yelled, cried out, "She's turning blue! Do something!" A lot louder than that. Because <laughs> they all froze. Oh. They like I think because the expectation was that she wasn't going to survive. Yeah. they were just like, well, the expectation is. Being yeah. met, and so everybody just froze. Hmm. But Susan, when Susan yelled that, they whisked Rebecca across the room and they suctioned her and did things they needed to do, and she she came back and pinked, and, and pinked up, up. And, and so we spent about an hour and a half with her, and you know everyone kind of laughed and it was quiet. Um, and thinking about you know things that happened, I went out in the hallway to to tell somebody, and uh, a friend of mine at church, um, uh, Rich had said, I just felt like God was telling me I need to come down here. Mm. And he walked by the door as I came out. Mm. And uh, and gave me a hug I needed. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so an hour and a half later, it's just Susan and I and Rebecca, and... Uh, and she starts to turn blue again. Hmm. And so we, you know, push the button. We yell, no, come, come. And so the nurse comes in and, and does what things she needs to do. And at that point, I said to the nurse, I said, can you keep her alive until morning? Because I'd like her to meet her brothers. Hmm. Yeah. And we had church family watching our kids because our family was all spread out and far away. And, and, um, so that night, while Susan laid in, in her bed, I spent the night in the nursery, you know, talking to Rebecca and whatnot. And the next day, um, uh, a few family at were local came, and we just had probably the <laughs> the most exciting day we've had yeah. um, as far as being celebrating that she was born alive. And there was one doctor who, um, you know, we this isn't really talking about the negatives of the process, but we had one doctor that was really negative about us having her, even taking her to yeah, birth. I, yeah, actually it was the original OB. And um, during the pregnancy, when he got the diagnosis from the perinatologist mm. that she was going to have trisomy 18, he had, and I think this is important to share, um, he had said to us that... Um, well, he said, I didn't go to medical school for this. Yeah, I didn't go, because we were... We I were had, taking a baby to term that the medical community thought we shouldn't. And although they didn't ask us outright to have an abortion, yeah. 
they they wanted to, and the only reason they didn't is because we explicitly stated that that wasn't that, an that was not an option, and I had written up a birth plan that said that if she goes into distress during the pregnancy, I want an emergency C-section, and that was when he said, I didn't go to med school for this, and he was an you know, he was an older doctor, so it wasn't like he just got out of med yeah. school. Yeah. Uh, but in his viewpoint, and then he made Michael feel like... Uh, yeah, he said, you want your wife to die on the... On the, on, on the yeah, how many people have yeah. C-sections? It's not, you know, here we're talking about an emergency C-section to save a child's life, and people schedule them all the time for convenience yeah. purposes, and... Um, but anyway, so that day he came, and he even, he said, we made the right choice, so, yeah. and so that was... And, and, and he said that he was wrong. Wow. Yeah. And... And so, um, yeah, in the office when he had said those things to us, we were so shocked. We didn't know what to I'm say. Sure, yeah. we, we, we didn't even respond because we were just flabbergasted. <laughs> so, I, and, and I think we were really angry at him. But when he came back after the birth and said, you made the right choice and that he would treat future situations like this differently. Uh, I think that the grace we had showed him after that point really paid off. Um, and I hope that, you know, other, he had the opportunity yeah. to, to keep his, his word. Yeah. So we were there, uh, she, um, Susan was there for two days and of course, you know, they don't, they don't keep in the hospital. Yeah, and so it's the first time we had gone home and left a child behind, and um, so in my life, as soon as I've been together now for twenty, twenty-four years, including dating, I've seen her cry three times, and this day was one of them. So she is sitting on the bed and realizing that we have a special needs child, and we have absolutely no idea what to do next. And she just, she wept. And you, you listen to the podcast, I'm the emotional one. She's pretty, she's pretty, she's pretty <laughs> solid. Not that day, not that day. And, you know, we began this journey of trying to figure out what do you do? How do you, how do you, you know, how do you move forward with a child with a special need, a special challenge, and one that you don't, even the medical community doesn't really know that much about. Um, and so I, I'm curious here real quick too. So you said that you wanted her to be able to meet her brothers. Um, so what, and again, you said two, four, six, and eight. So they're, they're all very young. What, how are they doing through all of this? What was their response? Did you, did you get any, uh, you know, they talk about having a childlike faith and, and seeing life through the eyes of a child. Like, did did you get any picture of that with uh, them? How is this how is this reaction with them? I'm curious about actually, that. Actually, when you say did you get the picture, I got hundreds of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish I could show a picture. Uh, there, f- I th- I think that you know we tried as best as we could to explain to them that their baby sister might not live, mm-hmm. and when they met her. Um, uh, the picture we have of them in the hospital holding their sister mm. is so precious. Their eyes are just glazed with love and adoration. Mm. And um, 
And it was pretty amazing. Yeah. In the early days of her being at the house, too, we we took every moment that we could to have them hold her and and spend time with her because uh, we still went home with the thought that she's not going to make it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So we went, um, kind of keep, keep us moving along, yeah. we went um, three weeks at home, and she had um, severe, well, she was turning blue every five minutes, I mean, every little bit. And so Susan was staying up as much as she could and sleeping when she could, and I was going to work and then coming back and helping. And so we, this went on for three weeks, um, and then finally Susan came for me. She was just completely wiped out. And, um, and I'd been sleeping a little bit at night cause I was going to work. And so I'd prayed to God. I said, you know what? I, I need to stay up all night mm-hmm. and let her, um, get rest. And so, you know, that's what I did. I prayed for that. I stayed, I, you know, had my head on Rebecca's crib and every five minutes when she would turn blue, I'd poke her and wake her up. And then next day I went to work and I came home the next night and Susan was still exhausted. And I said, you know, I need to do it again. Mm-hmm. So I stayed up again. And so the next night when I got home from work, uh, we realized that I've been up 48 hours. She's been up, you know, for weeks, not getting enough sleep. We're about at the end. Yeah. And I called our doctor, one of our pediatricians that was on call, and talked to him. And it really came down, it was a choice. We could stay home, and eventually she wouldn't wake up, or we wouldn't wake up, or both. Mm-hmm. Um or we could go to the hospital, and we had no idea what they would do, what they could do. Um, and, and we were at that point where in this, these situations where morally, ethically, right, mm-hmm. political views, your, uh, we, everybody, so you, you, should, you can stay home. You can stop. Right. If that, does that make sense? So, so everyone's saying you don't have to do anything else. You've and done. You've done everything you, yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, even, you shouldn't go forward. You should stop. Um, But we decided to take her to the hospital. And, you know, the first doctor we interacted with was very, wasn't very positive about the whole thing. But fortunately, uh, over the next couple weeks, we met a a good Christian doctor. And and we had a, 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 um, a sleep study specialist, which I forget what that specialty is called, but um, they were saying that she had central apnea, and that's what all the textbooks said, and central apnea means your brain doesn't tell your body to breathe, right? So so basically they were saying um, there's nothing you can do with her unless you want to put her on a ventilator for the rest of her life. And we even had one doctor say, uh, if you go down this path and you trach her and ventilate her, a year from now, your marriage is going to fail, your boys are going to resent you, uh, life is going to be terrible, and you're going to regret every decision that you made. Hmm. So we said prove it. (laughs) Prove, prove. It's central, central apnea. Yeah. There was nothing that we could do. Yeah. We'd worry about our marriage and our boys, and right, you yeah. prove that it's central apnea. So, and so they they did 
a sleep study, which was extremely difficult to do on a five-week-old infant. Four-pound baby. Yeah. yeah it, it, was, it was a very difficult situation, and they did a bronchoscopy. They looked at her lungs. They, they um, consulted with some experts, but after the sleep study, and basically in a sleep study, they have electrodes on the brain, and um, they monitor how you sleep, and they could tell from the readout of the brain patterns that even though it looked like she wasn't breathing, her brain was telling her body to breathe. There mm. was something Obstructing wrong. it. Okay. And, uh, and then they discovered that the, uh, the obstruction was upper airway, and they said that, well, we could give her the trach, and the trach should help with the breathing. Well, and they said the trach should take away the problem. Mm. Which it did, hmm. which it did. Interesting story about when the trach surgery happened, the doctor that did it, um, they brought her back to the room, and this was, they brought her back to the room, and um, I discovered that, and Susan had left because we thought everything was fine, it was great, that the trach wasn't in properly, hmm. and it was still blocked. Hmm. And this is where the verse uh, Psalms 20, verse 7 mm. comes in. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. We trust the name of the Lord. Mm. Because... <laughs> so I was standing there, and my daughter, who just had a trach to save her life, isn't improperly. So, but nobody knew that. So when we discovered that, and the doctor discovered that, when you're in a PICU unit, you know how serious they think it is by how far away the doctor goes. Hmm. The doctor never left outside of our door. Hmm. So he was worried. And as I stood there, I had just read that verse two days before. And as I stood there, I had this amazing peace. Mm. And I don't know how to explain it, but I just knew that God was saying, this is going to be okay. Because I'm here. And I, and I told the doctor, it's take your time. Because we're going to be fine. And it took him a couple hours to get her back into surgery. But it was so amazing and raw that just in that moment, I just knew that God was there, that he was in control, and that the surgery mess, surgeon messed up. But God decides. Hmm. It's his decision when this life ends. Hmm. And... That doctor who was sitting outside the room worried about mm -hmm. Rebecca is the same one that said that our life would be a, mm. a complete mess mm. if we went down this path. Yeah. So uh, her life was touching the 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 medical community, yeah. the me the people all around us, the doctors, the. So there's times when my faith is challenged, mm -hmm. and I think back to that moment, sure. yeah. and I, I know what happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> explain explain that verse the way. So so our feeling of some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust the name of the Lord. Right? David had all kinds of chariots and horses. And if you read time, about it in time, he had as many as anybody. And at the time, that was Power, their technology. Yes. Yeah. That was that was technology back then. That was their technology, their human might, right? And so we trusted in doctors and nurses and technology. I mean, we we had you know we had uh, uh, doctors and nurses and technology. We didn't deny them, but that's not where our trust was. Yeah, our trust was in God. Yeah, we and, used the technology right. to help, but we trusted God for the outcome. Yeah, right. And what and what I what I keep hearing through this is, as you guys are sharing, I think. Um, just this word that keeps coming to mind is moments and, and just the moments that you guys have had um, up to our story. Now of her being five weeks old um, of, of God's faithfulness. And so many times in our lives, no matter what situations we're walking through, one of the, the best gifts that we have from God are moments Absolutely. that when things are, are put in front of us that we don't know how we're going to get through, what we're going to do to recall, remember God's faithfulness, remember God's faithfulness. And we can literally go back and grab snapshots of that. And I think that for us so many times, we in, in the busyness and the hustle and bustle of what we're doing, we forget that. But if we slow down enough and are able to recall that, or we have people who can say, no, do you remember? Do you remember what God did? And so much of already you can hear the moments that you guys have had, and not only for, for your family, but for the, as you said, Susan, the medical community, yes. you know, the moments. Like I, I, I would love to talk to those doctors who said one thing and then saw the other and, yes. and see... What was that moment? Do you still think about that moment? What What did that moment do for you? And it's just, yeah, it's, it's emotional even talking about just hearing um, and, and and you guys describing um, God's faithfulness there. Yeah, and those moments, we need to hold on to them because we're not promised an easy life yeah. on this earth. There's always going to be trouble. And it, it is those moments that show us that God is faithful and that we can trust him. And I remember the moment that Rebecca first looked at me, Mm -hmm. not, you know, looked around, but looked at me. Yeah. I remember the first time she smiled at me. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, I didn't always get it, but when Rebecca was maybe about a year old, she was in the hospital for something else, um, bowel obstructions, which is one of her ongoing ailments. But and a nurse said, um, or maybe it was my mom said at first, she said, she gets so excited when you come in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember that? And I was like, oh, I thought she was just always excited. Yeah. And they're like, no, she gets excited when wow. you come in the room. And I didn't even realize it. Wow. But, and one of the things the doctors have said is she wouldn't know us. Yeah. Well, she knows us. Yeah. And and she's yeah. an ornery stinker sometimes, but she, uh, you know, if I come in and don't talk to her right away, she'll give me the cold shoulder for an hour, mm. and then she'll warm back up, warm again. back up, and smile wow. at me. And wow. yeah, that's cool. So tell me about Rebecca's first birthday, because that's of course a huge, amazing milestone. So just what was that? What was that like? Um, what was that uh, amazing time of celebration with like people that have supported you, things like that? So just tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, as we said. Earlier, maybe in the last podcast, um, she only had a 1% chance of making it to her first birthday. 
So the first birthday is kind of a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of of a big deal. (laughs) So we had, I don't know, 250 people. We invited... We invited our whole church family. It was an open invite. Basically, we had a huge party at the church in their um, in their gymnasium, in their fellowship hall. Yeah, yeah, we had. Uh, oh, I had all my my girlfriends had um, uh, helped bring food and and set up and decorate and and uh, the local news came and and did an article in the paper. And I think it was, I think they all came because it wasn't just Rebecca's birthday or our celebration. I mean, they helped us get there. Yeah. It was yeah. everybody's they celebration. They were part of it. Yeah. They were they were prayer warriors. We had people say, I learned to pray because of this. I, uh, yeah. I um, you know, my faith has grown because of this. Uh, you know, thank you for letting me do. And we were, you know, like, you know, it was hard for us to let people do stuff for us. Yeah, because yeah, in those first months, I mean, we had... We had meals every other day delivered to our house. We had I, people come in and watch our our kids while I took her to the doctor. Paint the nursery. And, I mean, just, I, just yeah. Yeah, and that's and that goes back and to it's what very you very humbly. Yeah, and that's <laughs> right. when like that's what you guys said earlier when you talked about when you're going through tough times, allowing other people into that space because again, not only is it a huge help for you guys, but as as they continue to say it. It was a blessing for them. It they was got, a huge blessing for other people. I think a bigger blessing to other people than it was for to us. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. Well, sometimes yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but a lot of times I, we didn't even have to ask yeah. for the help. It, it was just offered. And um, and somebody said to me, I forget who it was now, but they had said, don't deny others the opportunity to serve. And don't be... I mean, I don't think it's how I say, but don't be so stubborn or prideful that you don't let others yeah. have an opportunity to serve, and and just be humble and accept it. And because right. they receive a blessing from right, that. Right. Well, it's because they want to do something, want to be part of it. So when we get that first birthday. I mean, it was yeah, everybody was celebrating, and yeah. you know, uh, it was it was all of our. It wasn't Susan and I. We aren't amazing, strong people. We just we had a lot of really strong people around us, yeah. and God has always given us the strength we needed. When we it. And we had visitors from, we had old friends from Georgia. Yeah, we had been, yeah, a lot of people and, came from all over. Um, family members and. Yeah. Subsequent uh, birthdays, we started to say, we need to treat her more like she's just one of our kids versus yeah. <laughs> until we got to the 10th birthday. But, you know, up to that point, we, you know, we yeah. tried to make it more, Yeah. you know, because we've always said we don't want our boys to feel like somehow. Rebecca special and they're not because it's not that it's not that law if anything Rebecca makes us appreciate them that much more yeah how how is that how has that been with with your boys and and how have you has there been just ups and downs with it just with adolescence and everything or have how have you how's that been Uh, you know uh, there's no doubt that having um a very special needs child Rebecca doesn't talk she doesn't walk um, she's tube fed and she has a trach. Uh, so she does demand a little bit of attention. Yeah. 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 And, and, and we, in, you know, there were, there, we were very careful about exposing her to, to, to germs and, and, you know, early on she, she couldn't be in big crowds. And, and so there were definitely, um, 
things that we had to give up along the way. Like we couldn't take everyone to a really crowded place, mm -hmm. all of us together. We or, sold our camper. Yeah, we sold our camper, which was something that we did with the boys before she was born. Uh, but even though they may have given up some opportunities along the way. They gained mm -hmm. opportunities. And yeah, I don't think they realize that they're more compassionate mm. to others than probably typical kids their age. Mm. But as you said, I think they go through spells. When they were little, they were enamored by her. Now she's just a member she's just of that. A, yeah. She's just a sister. <laughs> she's just a little sister that, you know, hi, Rebecca. I'm yeah. going off to do my other stuff. But yeah. but they all, you know, they all hold her dear in a different way, a special yeah, way. And but I don't think, I don't think any of the, um, the doctors, uh, visions about them uh, were realized. Uh, no. Yeah, I don't no. think they resent I, her. Yeah. I don't think they resent her at all. And uh, as Michael said, they've, they'd, they may not realize it, but I can see it when I compare them to other kids their age, ages. Um, I think they have more compassion. I think that they're more willing to go and talk to that um, that kid that, that's different. That kid that's a little bit different. Uh, one time, our oldest Elijah, uh, he had to do some volunteer work at his, from his with his middle school, and I took him to a special needs preschool. Mm. Oh my goodness, the way he interacted with those kids was amazing, and I never would have pegged him for a, a you know for for someone that could play with the kids yeah. and get, but he got down at their level and, and, uh, treated them like, hmm. like normal people. <laughs> and, you know, knowing that they've gained that for sure, uh, is, is special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I'm, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, so one thing you also mentioned was we, we, just this last April, then you guys celebrated birthday number. 10 mm -hmm. with Rebecca. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I'm sure we could be here for another couple hours talking about between <laughs> years one and 10, but tell, tell us a little bit about that celebration. Well, I was determined that we would do something because I knew 10 was a big, a big deal. Um, it was hard because we've moved. Yeah. And so people in Indiana don't know Rebecca's story in the same way, that, in the same way. Yeah. Uh, I think that having that celebration and inviting our new church family to participate has, uh, you know, opened up some eyes and hearts and mm -hmm. given a new family, a new yeah. church family, um, a way to get involved and, and learn about Rebecca. Um, we had one of her friends that's also in Indiana come join us, um, Liliana. One of her trisomy 18 friends. She's, yeah, another trisomy 18 friend. Um, I think the big thing is that you don't when you when you you start, you're praying for a moment, mm -hmm. yeah. right? You're praying for not a second, a moment, right? Well, now you're at 10 years. Yeah. Where yeah. did the 10 years go? I mean, you know, and, and, and as we think about it, and as you said, we could talk for hours about, you know, the, the bowel obstructions and the, you know, the surgeries and different things have gone on. But the bottom line is it's been an awesome 10 years. Yeah. And we 
are truly blessed, and we just want to celebrate that. And we, from the beginning, said that we wanted to praise God if she died or if she lived. And I did say died first, um, and I think that's part of it, right? Celebrating those milestones is part of that, praising God. And, and I, uh, uh, this journey, uh, Michael had mentioned, that it has helped us appreciate our other children more. Hmm. Um, that moment idea. Um, there are lots of times where you get frustrated with your kids or annoyed, um, especially when they're teenagers. <laughs> uh, uh, but... I think that Rebecca being in our life has also helped us as parents appreciate them more yeah. and help us get through some of those bumps along the way that you have with, with children as they're growing up. Yeah, for, sure. for sure. So tell us a little bit about um, Rebecca now. So Rebecca is a character. She's, she is very stubborn. Uh, if she doesn't want to do something, she won't. Um, she even she, though she doesn't talk, that doesn't mean she doesn't communicate. Yep, that's she right. Communicates pretty well. Yeah, yeah, she communicates well. So um, she's very happy. She loves school. She gets she's super excited in the morning. Um, I said before she's excited when I come home from work. She's she loves us. Um, she loves her brother. She loves her brother. She now gives these crazy backhanded hugs, mm. and now she can do that. She's yeah, she wow. loves them. It's a priceless. Um, uh, she is, uh, Susan said she's nonverbal, but she communicates, yeah. you know, you know, when she wants to do something or doesn't want to do something and what she likes. And the, 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 the one thing is, you know, we, we had to get a new medical, uh, group since we moved and they don't know her. They haven't known her from birth. And so that's been a little hard because when they see her, they see her sick or when she's in need of something and she's not feeling like herself. And, uh, you know, it's almost like starting over again because they don't see her at her best. And, and I wish I could, uh, you know, create a, a picture for everyone of, of what, Rebecca is like at mm -hmm. her best because she is amazing. She, it, when you come home, if you, if you're having a bad day and you come into the room with Rebecca, all she has to do is look at you with, uh, with that loving look mm -hmm. and give you a smile and those bright eyes and whatever was weighing heavy on your heart just gets lifted away. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. But the, the medical challenges, she does still have those, yeah. and we won't get into the details of it today, but just thinking about things people could pray for yeah. with Rebecca today, yeah. she does. she's going to have scoliosis surgery here in a few months, and, uh, um, and she has uh, begun having seizures, which are both common for trisomy 18. But, uh, you know, there's always... Uh, there's always a challenge with Rebecca. They say it's it's one in a thousand days. You know, a lot of people go to the hospital. They might be one day of the child's life for us. It's one in a thousand days at the hospital for something or other. But yeah. uh, but she has an amazing resiliency to things. Mm. Um, you know, she's I can I've seen her in pain over a bowel obstruction and then smile at her brother in the most sincere and happy face, wow. and it's just amazing. So. 
So as we wrap up the conversation, what is it that you would like um, our listeners to um, take home with them? Um, Whatever that may be, encouragement, the final thoughts. All right. Uh, My thought, even though we didn't really talk about this along the way, um, one... One thing I have not struggled with through this journey is anger at God. Um, I don't, I, and I don't know why, but I, I've never been angry, but I've met lots of people. I've seen lots of people who get angry at God when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I I would want to pass along that, you know, we weren't, we were never promised an easy life. So when the bad things happen, we need to lean on God and trust him and, you know, for better or for worse, whatever happens, um, use it to his glory and we will make it through. Uh, there is nothing that we we can't get through without leaning, you know, without God's uh, help with us. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing I would say is, you know, the, Rebecca's an example of every life has value. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think when you look at your kids, sometimes we think, oh, did they get good grades or did they, they did? well, that's not what brings, that's not their value. That's what they can do, but their value is so much more than that. Hmm. You know, look at them the way God looks at them. Look at yourself the way God looks at mm-hmm. you. Um, and it doesn't have to do with what you can or can't do or what, it's you know. It's not how smart you it's are. It's not how smart you are. What your job are, is right? or what your grades are. He wants you to love and to be loved. And Rebecca loves and is loved in amazing ways. Um and I think that's the important thing to think about. And maybe the last thing is you listen to this, as you see us at church or wherever, don't feel sorry, feel sorry. for us. No. <laughs> we, we are blessed beyond measure. Mm. Our life is not how we imagined it would be. No. <laughs> it's better. And I mean that sincerely. Um, it's been an amazing journey. It's been hard at times. It's been ama- It's been in- enriching at times. And as you c- captured earlier, the moments, the priceless moments are completely worth mm-hmm. a thousand sleepless nights. Yes. One of them is completely worth a thousand sleepless nights. Yeah. What's that? What's that verse that says? Better is one night in your. Wonder is one day in your courts than a thousand in your elsewhere. Than a thousand elsewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much uh, for just being willing to come on, uh, to share, to be vulnerable, to cry. Um, and I know and I'm confident and will continue to be praying towards God using your story, using Rebecca's story to bring glory to himself, uh, to show the value of the church and, and the people of God coming around each other and experiencing community Um, So thank you guys so much. Thank you for our listeners for tuning in. Jordan, thanks for for sitting in for Chris today. Appreciate it. And Um, thanks for having us. uh, Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to The Table, a podcast of Calvary Church in West Lafayette. For more information, check us out at yourcalvary.info.